Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. We are very blessed today to have a celebrity with us, Anne Ballou, from Vancouver, who speaks on emotional intelligence and sales. Thank you for joining us, Anne. You're very welcome. I heard the word celebrity and it's like I'm chuckling. <laughs> I was like, when did that happen? <laughs> Own it, dear. Own it. So, Anne, tell us tell us a bit about yourself. What is your family and, and what is your business? What What are you doing and what has you excited? Okay, uh, I'm going to start with my family. So I've got three children. Uh, Alex is, is a son, and he's 24. And I've got a daughter, Dylan. She's 22. And another daughter, Laura. She is 18 years old. And oh, and I've got a 16-year-old dog called Lucky. Oh, so I'm very, <laughs> so I'm very blessed. And uh, my business is Walking Inside Resources. So we are a coaching and consulting company in the field of emotional intelligence. I know these sounds like some big words, uh, but I am, uh, I'm a unicorn. That's, that's what people call me because I understand what makes us do what we do. Think of me as the little person who can walk the maze of somebody's mind and retrieve the emotional patterns. And expose those patterns and say, hey, what do you want to do about this? So I expose limiting beliefs, especially in the area of money and finance, because I'm not only an EQ coach, I'm also an economist and a chartered financial analyst. So I come at it from both ends. Oh, totally a woman after my own heart, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to hear. And emotional intelligence is such an important, important skill, and it can be built up. And it's something that I, I've been using in my, my business practice for 26 years. And actually, before that, it's quite funny. I actually was just list, just finished listening to the book, Emotional Intelligence, last week. Well, emotional intelligence, a lot of people, they, uh, I'm glad that you know what it is because many people, it's brand new, it's like a buzzword and people are wondering, what is it? Like, for example, I, I, I published a post on LinkedIn this morning and the question was, how old is your skeleton, your physical skeleton? 
And, and a person might answer, well, if I'm 30 years old, my skeleton is 30 years old. And if I'm 80, my skeleton is 80 years old. And I might get that puzzled look like, what are you talking yeah, about? It's pretty basic. Why don't you understand that? <laughs> exactly. But at the cellular level, our physical skeleton replaces itself entirely within 10 years. So our skeleton, physical skeleton, is no older than 10 years old. So then it begs the question, if that's the case, why does an 80-year-old woman slumps her shoulders forward, if so many of them do? Like it's like they, they crouch, they start crouching forward. If you ask them why, they will say, oh, you know, I've got that thing in my, and my bones are brittle and my this. But if our skeleton is no older than 10 years old, where did that belief come from? Mm -hmm. That the physical body must age that way. And, and people will say, well, that's, that's horse, horse poop and it makes no sense. But intensive research has been done on this. They've taken groups of old people like 80 years old plus, and they've put them in a lively environment that would simulate um, their era when they were, let's say, 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Do you know what happened? <laughs> they stopped slouching. <laughs> they stopped slouching. They stood straight, straighter. They became more flexible. They became more agile. There was a spring in their step. They even looked younger. Yep. So they physically proved how our limiting beliefs, the stuff we grew up with that we take for granted until we examine it, how it dictates how we physically look, how we think, how we manage money, finances, all of it. What we do is what we do. And that's why it's so crucial we must examine every belief. That's why your show is so important. Yeah, well... You, you can find people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that, that are alive and vibrant and active and sharp as attack. And you can find people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that are basically dead. They just haven't scheduled the, the funeral yet. Correct. Correct. That is absolutely true. And the reason for that is because they have that set of beliefs. That maze, they constructed that maze inside their mind that tells them who to be, how to behave, how to act, all of it. And until they examine that relationship with their mind, like what's going on up there, then practically we're letting a maze run the show. It's like when I say to people, would you let your toaster in your kitchen dictate your life? In a lot of people's cases, the toaster would do a better job. <laughs> well, some people look at me when I say that, and there's almost like the F word crossing their lips. <laughs> Question I have for you, with all of this stuff that, that, that you know and that you're passionate about, how are you using that knowledge and, and passing it down to, to your three wonderful now legal adult children so that they are moving forward and making much better choices, especially around the subject of money. Well, I grew up ghetto poor. Mm. We were so poor. I had holes in my shoes. I didn't have enough to eat. My father had six children. Didn't believe in the pill. And, <laughs> and you know, back then, for some reason, maybe French Catholics, I don't know. <sighs> uh, it's not an, a question that I was like, but my father's belief was that I was another mouth to feed. Mm. 
and I was a burden. And it was my fault if he had no money and all my siblings' fault. So I grew up with tremendous guilt and shame around money oh. and, and of my own existence. Uh, and then when I got married and, and I started, you know, at the age of uh, 22 years old, I was managing the budget for the province of New Brunswick. I wrote checks like my mother had never seen a hundred dollar bill in her life. Oh. And I was writing check for 25 million dollars at 25 years old without batting an eyelid. Oh, my. It wasn't my money, but it was like I was around these vast sums of money. And, and it was, and you know what, the way I felt about myself, that uh, low self-worth around money, because I had tied my self-worth around money, yep. was I carry it everywhere, but I had this, like, it was such a contrast. And then when I ended up having millions of dollars in the bank, in my own bank account, I still felt like crap. Mm -hmm. Because I had never addressed the programming that mazed my, the, the mind. Yep. So when I started, I promised myself, when I started doing the work, and God knows I cried, I've shed many, many tears. People who know my journey, like I completely collapsed. Like dark night of the soul, call it what you want. Mm -hmm. But it was brutal. But I promised myself, I will help my children to never go through what I went through. Yep. One of the first things that I did was by as soon as they could sign their name, we're talking five, six, seven years old. Yep. I took them to the bank, opened a bank account. The look, not a bank account linked to mine, their own bank account. Yep. Give them a bank card, the teller's face. She's five years old. She's 20 pounds on a wet day, you yep. know? And I said, because my youngest is very, very petite. And, and I was like, nope, they get their bank account, they get their bank card, they're going to manage their own money. They will never have that feeling to tie their self-worth around money. We're going to start very young here. And we would go to stores, and I remember my little peanut, she was like five, five years old, like 20 pounds. She was literally 20 pounds. She oh. was that petite, like a little doll. And, and. She couldn't even reach the counter. Like the salesperson had to lean over the counter and look at this child. And and she would look at them with those big dear eyes, scared shitless, and going like, Mommy? Yeah. And I was like, you can do this, sweetie. I believe yeah, you in you. You can. Mom's here, but you have to do it. Correct. And she would shake and she would hand over that, that debit card to pay for that, you know, $2, $3 things. Yep. And I've even had a, 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 a teller ask me, like, why don't you pick her up? Why don't you pick her up? It'd be so much easier if you held her in your arms and this. I said, she can stand on her own two feet. Exactly. Because she's probably never going to grow up to be a giant, so she needs to learn how to navigate. <laughs> well, she's 18 and she's, what, 5'3"? Uh. <laughs> 95 pounds. Yep. So, but... You should see her use debit cards. <laughs> she, she has her money mastered. All of them. The three of them have a very good relationship with money. Very so good. What are, some, what are the, some of the questions and stuff your kids asked you about money as they were growing up? Because obviously you were very active in teaching them to become familiar and comfortable and responsible with money. What were the questions they would ask you? Well, one of the might sound weird, but it was like, why does money make you cry, mommy? It's a great question. That's an amazing question. So what did you tell him? Well, I said to them, 
I said, I have, at the time, I had a crappy relationship with money, and I gave them this example. Oh, well, my heart already starts sinking a bit. Um, when I was five years old, my family was so poor, and it was Christmas. You can imagine, you're five years old, you don't get Christmas gifts, and you know it. Yeah. You don't believe in, oh. in, in all that stuff, because... And then, for some weird reason, my family got chosen to to receive food at Christmas, like one of those donations. You know, yeah. when you pick up a family and, and you think you're doing so great and you're going to give them, you're going to buy them food. And for the first time in my life, I saw oranges. And oh. I remember looking at the oranges with big eyes. I had never seen oranges. I had never eaten an orange in my life. And And... Then looking at all this stuff and then there were gifts and all these people had come in and like very looking very important and very pompous. But I didn't know that. Mm. And I felt really small, very, it was a scrawny kid, very small and looking at all these people. And, and, and I don't know why, but I, I asked one of the men who was there, one of the people has said, um, why, why are we getting this? And he he crouched to my level, and he put a very solemn uh, arm hand on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and he looked at me in the eye, and he said, "Because your family is too poor." Oh. And at that, and in that moment, I realized that what he thought was such a great gesture made me feel like such so crappy. It was so yucky, so yucky. And of course, my father turned around. And called me quite a few choice names because it was a very violent family. And it was like, you little, mm? yeah. how dare you ask him that? It's all your fault. And, and then there I was picking up all that guilt and shame from all these people around me around money. Oh. So money was like putting my hand in fire. Yes. I, got, I was getting burned every time. So I, when I, that was why when I shared that story with my children, I said to them, they were very, and they were crying because they were like, mommy, you know, it's, we're so sad. Why did it happen to you? And I said, I believe it happened to me. So that when you grow up, remember this story and treat people with dignity, no matter what financial situation they are in. We are all human beings. We all deserve respect. And it, and it come, probably comes back an awful lot to what you're teaching now with the emotional intelligence, because the guy that said that probably did not actually mean that, but he didn't have the emotional intelligence and, and the emotional skills to be able to properly answer that question. Correct. Absolutely correct. He, I believe, looking back, after I processed it, uh, looking back, he meant well. Yeah. He, he just thought that he was doing the right thing, but that what little did he know that that belief would haunt me for decades, and and it it took me like to look at uh, examine all my beliefs around money. I grew up being told that money is hard to make, or that my favorite one it's a French expression which means "né pour un petit pain," which means born for small bread. So if you remember the 1800s, the French people, there was a French revolution and, and people were starving and they wanted bread because bread was, and they, all they could get was a tiny small piece of bread. 
So I grew up being told, when you're born with a small bread, you die with a small, small bread. So I was told that you'll never make it. You'll never, you'll never amount to anything. And the funny thing is, when I became financially wealthy and I was bursting through all those beliefs, my birth family was looking at me and calling me what they call a bourgeoise. <laughs> you know, bourgeoise is yep. this uh, newly rich that is uh, pretty much a twit. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, your, but your family obviously had and probably still has some some very, very unhealthy beliefs and relationships with money. Many people say, well, I didn't grow up. Like many of my clients, when they come see me, I say, what limiting beliefs might you have around money? And they go, I don't have any. Horse hockey. Really? Horse hockey. Do you believe money is hard to make? Uh, yeah. How many jobs do you have? Uh, three. Are you living paycheck to paycheck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have money in the bank? A little bit. What is it for? Emergency funds? Yeah, mostly. Oh, so you believe money is just for a rainy day. It's not used for vacations or to upgrade. And then by the time I'm done going through that and dismantling that, they just go, oh, my goodness, I'm full of limiting beliefs around money. But Because those limiting beliefs are so normal and that's what's taught in our society. If, If you're surrounded by sick people and you're sick, you're normal. Doesn't mean you're healthy, but you're normal. Normal. I've written extensively around this. I have 30 books on Amazon talking about normal. <laughs> normal is whatever we grew up with. Yep. It has nothing to do with normal. Nothing. It's whatever. That's the reference point. And if that doesn't scare people, I don't know what does. Because, because whatever we think is normal is, is could be highly toxic or dysfunctional. And most people, for, for most people, it is highly dysfunctional and toxic. Every, almost everybody that I've ever come across has a dysfunctional family. If I come across somebody that said everything's good and they're, you actually start getting into it and they had a good, healthy, wonderful, supportive, challenging childhood, I'm going, you're a unicorn. That doesn't exist. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I remember this, um, there's this person I met and, and they knew about my past history, like, cause I was very open about all the, uh, like my mother was psychotic. She believed she was pregnant with Jesus Christ. Uh, my whole <laughs> child was imagine I competed with ghost children. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my father was a sociopath who sat in his garage one day and, and, you know, carved a whip out of a winter tire. That's my child. That's my normal. And and this man who had grown up with a loving, what he believed was a loving and caring family, he says, you know, my my mother, she she washed all my clothes and she folded them and put them onto my bed every morning. But that was the same person who in his 40s hadn't been, was afraid of commitment and hadn't uh, been in a committed relationship or anything, couldn't hold a job. There were so many, like you could say, uh, red flags. Yep. And And that person looked at me and they said, would you change anything to what happened to you? And I said, no. He says, would you want my childhood? I was so happy. No. And he was shocked. He was like, why not? I had better parents than yours. I said, I know my parents were toxic. You don't. That's the difference. And, 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 
while your parents were toxic, and I said every, almost everybody I've ever come across, parents have had all sorts of issues. They did the best they could with the knowledge and resources they have at the time. But if you hadn't gone through all of the stuff that you went through as your in your childhood and learned all of that stuff, there's no way you could be the strong, powerful woman that's going through and changing the world now because you wouldn't have had that that need and those experiences to grow into who you are now. I agree. Like many of my clients, when they come to me, it's it's never just about money or building a business or increasing sales or finding the right partner, being the right parents, having confidence and all of that. It goes so much deeper than that. But when they come to see me, one of the common thread is that they feel safe, that they can share with me their most horrific or traumatizing and who are we to judge what someone might find traumatizing it's uh it's it's and i can i can hold it in compassion and i can help them and it's that being able able to mirror to mirror with compassion what they're going through because i've already faced it i've already lived it i've transcended it I only we only know what we're living, then I can assist them properly. So many people so I would never change what has happened to me. It's made me who I am today. Exactly. So what were some of the other so some of the other questions your kid because that's obviously a doozy one you got from got from your son, but that's a really good question. What are some of the other questions your kids have asked throughout the years? Well, one of the weird, I would say weird ones, but I was so impressed was my son. He landed this, he graduated from university and he landed like his dream job. Like he was so happy and it's a great company. It's one of the top companies in the world and he called me out of the blue and he said, uh, my mom, he said, um, I need to fill out these forms and um, I would like, I would like to know, would you be willing to be in case I die, would you be willing to execute my will? Oh, and, I'm so proud. <laughs> and and I was like, uh, why me? <laughs> and he said, and and he surprised me. He says because I believe that you can you can put your ego aside and you can serve my interests. That you will carry on my wishes. Excellent. So I said, what are your wishes? And he was very methodical how he wanted to, he was 20, he's 24 years old, how he wanted to divide his, his life insurance policy, his pension, all of that between, um, his two sisters was 50% and his girlfriend, his long, long-term girlfriend and me, um, you know, 50%. And, and it was so funny. I'm going to have like a, a, a so funny because the old Anne, what I call the old Anne popped up for a moment, but I'm the mother. <laughs> and I was like, and he chose me because I know how to deal with that voice, that old programming. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, you're aware of your programming. We all have it and it never yeah. goes away. We just get better at managing it. <laughs> Yeah, it popped up its ugly head. I wrote posts about it. People would say, no, you don't say that. Of course I do, because I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I say it because it's going on in your head, too. <laughs> yeah, I 
can chuckle about it. So that was him. That was wonderful. And then comes my 18-year-old, because I look so, and it's so random, out of the loop. She's like, Mama, it's my birthday in September. I want a tattoo. Would you like to invest in me getting a tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> that those are those are those are carefully chosen words by her children to put us. Oh yeah, invest. I was like, I just looked at her. Was like, kiddo, <laughs> let's have a talk. <laughs> yeah, let, let's have a chat. Well, and it has been absolutely amazing talking to you. So if we were to wrap up quickly, what are the top three lessons you want to make sure that your kids have in regards to money, so that they can be successful in their life? Number one, feel comfortable around money. Feel comfortable around banks, around ATM machines. Feel comfortable having a wallet, having money in your wallet. Feel, number two, feel grateful paying for the stuff you want or need. I hear so many people complain, oh, got to pay the hydro bill, got to pay the cable bill. And they pay it and they're whining. And what it does, because they heard their parents whine in the past, mm -hmm. and what it does, they carry on. But they have the money to pay it. They paid it with the gratefulness for paying it because success is built upon success. If we want to build wealth, we must acknowledge the wealth that we already have. Mm -hmm. So number three is make friends based on their hard qualities, never the amount of digits in their bank account. Oh, I love those lessons. I love them. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. This was great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if anyone wants to find me, I'm at walkinginside.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.